In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls all who follow him to be salt and light. But I think the greatest temptation for us as Christians with regards to this mission to be salt and light is that we're in the world and because we know the light, the truth of God, we look at the world and we see corruption instead of salt and we see darkness instead of light. And so our temptation as devout Christians oftentimes is to despair and pessimism. But my friends, if we are to be the salt and light of the world and we go out into the world focused on the darkness, depressed about the corruption, we will be pessimists and we will not attract others to our faith and to our God. You know, there's a great proverb that says you can attract more flies with honey than vinegar. How are we doing as the church today? Are we the honey that's attracting souls to Christ or have we become bitter by the failures and corruption of the world such that we are repelling people from ourselves and from the truth and from our faith? Tonight, we're going to talk about how Christians can live joy and be that light. It is so important for us as Christians to live joy right now. And I think, as I said before in the monologue, you know, we are tempted to pessimism because we see the problems of the world. But we as Christians also have an insight that those in the world do not have. We know the solution, and that solution is in God, and that's what our faith is all about. Well, tonight we're going to talk about how we can be a light to that solution, and we can live the hope and joy we are intended to have by our Father in Heaven. And to do that, I've got a good friend who's going to join me, Chris Stefanik, who is an international speaker, a great author, and a great friend. And I'm, I'm, Chris, it's just a joy to have you join us. I, I'm going to talk about your book, Living Joy. Awesome. I've heard you give talks about this uh, at a couple places, at the Napa Institute, at our local Legatus here in Denver, and it's a terrific book. You Thank lay you. out a roadmap for how we Christians can live joy. And I gotta tell you, not only is this so important right now, but this is really the greatest test of Christians today, isn't it? To live mm. joy. Yes, and honored to be on the show, by the way. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, this is what, as you were saying in the intro, this is what attracts people to us. Yeah. If we're joyful, in my own conversion experience, my, my parents dragged me up to a retreat I didn't wanna go on. And it, and it wasn't, the, the, the great speakers or the, the points they were making, not that that's unimportant. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't the staging and lights and sound. It was the joy in the room. And I, and I remember how, this. How old were you then? I was, oh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. 13 wow. or so. That's awesome. And, and I remember I went my sophomore year of high school to a yeah. retreat that, that got me on fire. That same experience. The joy. Encountering normal people, you know, people who were cheerleaders and football team members yeah. and athletes. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, they love Christ and they're happy. Yes, and it, yeah. it blew my mind. Because yeah. I, was, I was looking up to you know, Guns N' Roses and Slash with his hair over his face, <laughs> drinking, and like, I, I, was, I was getting into alcohol, I wanted to use girls. Like, these, are, these are my ideals for my life, and I, and I saw that joy, and it was like, well, my, I'm, my heart's empty. Everyone I'm looking up to is empty. This is what I want, it's you know, the joy. You use that image of the heart being empty, and of course, Augustine, the most quoted quote of any saint is our hearts are restless yeah. until they rest in thee and people want happiness right yeah. and we as Christians have a responsibility to show the truth 
that Christ leads to authentic happiness. That's it. And, and, that's, and that's what's going to draw people. Just simply being the joyful Christians in the world. I mean, the, 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 the faces I remember from that retreat, mm. they, they weren't professional ministry people. They would never guess that they're why we're talking right now. You know, because I just saw them and wanted what they had. And, and Christians underestimate our power when we're at the grocery store, at church, just in fellowship mm. with other people, at work, if we're just joyful. I mean, I, I think of you and your teaching, frankly, not, not to embarrass you, but the, the, I, I love listening to you <laughs> teach Bible because there, there's an inner joy. I mean, I, mm. I think that's what draws people to when they see you, you talk about this stuff. There's an inner delight in your mm. spirit about what you're saying. It's not just that you're right or just that you're making great points. It's also the joy that makes people want to come near. That, that's uh, for all of us Christians, whether we're talking about the Bible or uh, cooking dinner for our family. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's going to draw people in. Well, Chris, I, I just want to give a shout out to your book, Living Joy, because it's not accidental that you wrote this book because you actually embody that. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're one of the most popular Catholic speakers is that your message is filled with hope, enthusiasm, and more importantly, joy. You know, Mother Teresa Calcutta said, joy is the net by which we catch souls. Mm. So talk about <laughs> that because you're, this is a net. Your book is a net it is. to train people how to throw that net out and catch souls for Christ. That's right. Uh, and this is, I mean, since that's what drew me to the Lord in the first place, it's also how he shaped my own service mm. of the church. And it's something that's come naturally and as a charism to me. But, uh, you know, there's been times in my life that are tough. And, and frankly, the whole COVID experience as a guy who's so extroverted, it's almost a disability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, exactly. I, know, I know you introverts yeah. were in heaven in some way. No. I mean, there's been a lot of suffering across the board. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, from a, as, a, as an international speaker, like that's all taken away and like having to struggle through all this. It was a time where the Lord was saying, OK, get really intentional mm. about that which has come naturally in the past. Well, you know, I think you bring up a big Hence point because, you know, during COVID, we know now all these studies are coming about about increased depression. I mean, just oh, yeah. it's just, you know, incredible the rate of the increase of depression suicide, yeah. drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all these things. Yeah. But let's just talk about some of the topics in your book, because I think I love you have all these simple topics you lay out for people. Gratitude, that, that's, that's yeah. a start. And Huge. before, I want to have you talk about gratitude, but first I want to let people know, join the conversation. Chris and I would love to have you uh, join us for this conversation about living joy as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we want you to text in your questions on our text line, which is 720-650-0100. Give us your name and your question, and we'd love to hear from you and uh, get your comments and questions. So, so Chris, Let's just take on, a, you, you have, I love these kind of one-word topics, mm -hmm. silence, gratitude, uh, rest. Yeah. Let's start with gratitude. How important is gratitude for building up a mindset of joy? Yeah, I almost wrote the whole book on gratitude. Mm. I, I couldn't believe the power. Yeah. I mean, God's mission wasn't was to complicate our lives. It's about doing these simple things that lead us to the, to the joy we're, we were born looking for, that he created us to look for. And, so, and gratitude is a key step. One of the things I love is that you give a lot of practical tips throughout yeah. the book and great practical anecdotes and stories. Mm -hmm. So what's one of the practical tips you, from your own life that helps build up gratitude? Well, I think of, uh, you know, I think of what Paul wrote from prison. Rejoice mm -hmm. in the Lord yeah. always. I say it again, rejoice. I mean, he didn't write that from a beach in Cancun. <laughs> no, from <laughs> prison <laughs> yeah. right into the Philippians. Yeah, right, yeah, waiting to get his head chopped off. And, um, you know, the, 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 one of the simple tips I land on that I, I try to practice myself every day, because I'm a leaky tire like anybody else, 
when it comes to living in the joy of the Lord, mm. is to rejoice when I'm in my own prisons, when something's bugging me, mm. when I'm in traffic and someone cuts me off, to be intentional about in those circumstances doing what Paul said and everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So it's the thanksgiving yeah. piece. And in, in Thessalonians, it said, give thanks in all, all circumstances, circumstances, not yeah. just the, the, the good yeah. ones, in yeah. all of them. So if we train ourselves, you know, triggers mm-hmm. or things that happen to you and make mm-hmm. some interior uh, result from that. And we usually go through our lives passive to all the triggers happening to us. You know, that's so important. I think of Martin Seligman, who's one of the, the top soci- uh, psychologists, and he's really good about um, this idea of growing in virtue and as, as positive psychology. So yeah. he's kind of the father of the movement. But he talked about how one of the most important things for overcoming difficult, adverse things in our life and overcoming depression is having a grateful mindset, looking towards with gratitude. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I just think of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He began the daily examine, not looking at his sins, mm. but the first thing he would do in his daily examine, he would teach his disciples, is what should you be thankful for in the last 24 hours to God? I love it. And so you start with gratitude. It's it just such a... I, I, leads to joy. Yeah, it really does. You know, I, I picked up that practice from Ignatius, and yeah. I write down, to begin my prayer time every morning, mm. things I'm grateful for for the previous day. Yes. And, and even, you know, I might start off, you know, trying to wake up, you know, but I'm starting to list these things out for the previous day, and I'm like, wow, Lord, you have blessed me. Yeah, I am amen. so grateful. And it just changes your mindset. Amen. So we, uh, yeah. when, when you're triggered, thanks. When you wake up, like Ignatius said, like you yeah, do, yeah. you know, but before your brain does anything else, and, and, and the human brain, like the spleen, mm. evolved to keep you alive, right? Which means your brain's going to naturally gravitate toward what's going to hurt me today? How can I protect Tim? How can I protect Chris? And what might hurt me today? Yeah, and yeah. and the, the Lord's saying, you know, direct your thoughts to what lifts you up rather than where you mm. naturally go, which is, you know, that's why clickbait is always yeah. bad. Yeah. You know, there's no good news clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> no, the power of bad news is compelling, and, and the world knows it. Well, Corin asked this question. I think it's a really great practical question on, on gratitude, Chris. Yeah. She says, how, how can we, you know, uh, emit gratitude even when we don't feel it? So how, how do we show gratitude, you know, mm-hmm. and be grateful when, we, when our emotions aren't there? It's a, that, that's when it's especially important mm-hmm. to give thanks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Paul felt good in prison. Yeah. The things that he wrote from, for the, you know, in all, in all scripture, in fact, some of the most uplifting things we read anywhere in the Bible, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, these are the things he wrote in the worst time of his life. Mm. And I think he leaned into those things in his writing because he was leaning into them in his personal reflection at that time, thinking, I'm not feeling too good right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean into the gratitude. So, Corn, I'd say, give th- when, you're, when you're having a horrible time, when you feel miserable, Right, and, I, and I don't want to associate, you know, clinical depression with, with just having a hard time. These, these are different categorically. But especially if you suffer from clinical depression, these things are important, right? Lean in to, to counting your gratefuls, to, to, to making that list that Tim was talking about. Literally, if you can't think of the things, write them down. Will it? Yeah. No, that's so important because I think those, you, you used the term earlier, triggers, right? Yeah. And uh, by listing and just being intentional, listing out the things we're grateful for, all of a sudden it starts to change mm. the connections in our mind and where our thinking is focused. If we sure. can change our focus, we can change our attitude, can't we? That's it. And you know, there, there's some, there's some uh, you know, secular motivational speakers that are picked up on some of these themes, and, and not to put them all down, because there's, there's, some, there's some real truth that they're, they're, that they're landing upon. Mm. The difference with the Christian life, though, is that we offer actual compelling reasons to give thanks. Mm. 
You know, I, I'm not just sitting here as a guy who thinks I'm a, a lump of self-aware molecules <laughs> yeah. destined for yeah. nothing, yeah. but give thanks. Yeah. I mean, gee, why isn't it working? We're telling kids to spread positivity, and they're all miserable. You know, why? Well, because they come from a worldview that's godless. Yeah. You know, so we have, we have not only the, the, the science, but Scripture telling us to do this, and, and all the reasons to be grateful. Now, you know, as, going back to your example of St. Paul, he tells the Corinthians that we have to have the mind of the Messiah. Mm. And uh, that mindset changes everything. Well, one of the viewers asks, uh, Chris, how do we see joy in the midst of our own suffering, right? So how, how can we, I think the question is, how can we be joyful? Because your challenge here is living joy. Yeah. And when, there's, when, we're, when we're encountering suffering in our life. The, the ninth rule in, living the, in the book is to frame everything with your faith. Mm. And this isn't just a, a nice ideal. I mean, this is when you live a life of deep prayer, mm. when the prayer is actually in the routine, when it's not just an ideal. I mean, a lot mm. of the stuff you, people will read in this book, they'll think, well, duh, I could, I, I could have told people to do that to be happier. It's like, okay, well, then do it. Yeah. You know, um, so the, these Christian practices are not just to add obligations to our day. It's to constantly lift us up from our current circumstance. But that, that doesn't necessarily change our circumstances. It changes us. Mm. And it gives us a different vantage point of what we're going through. You know, so to f the frame, I mean, any good picture hanging on a wall, you have a f the frame helps you see everything inside the picture. Yeah. You know, and that's what faith is. It's not just a part of the picture. It's the frame through which you grasp suffering, death, joy, all of it takes on a new shape mm. when that frame is, okay, I believe that life is actually good. I'm created for purpose. God loves me. I'm destined for eternal glory. Then you become Paul in prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a great analogy because that idea that, that joy in our Christian faith frames our, our current reality, and that current reality might be suffering. We might be grieving for the loss of a loved one. We might be suffering an illness. Mm. Um, but I think your point with Paul again is, you know, Paul can say, I rejoice in my sufferings. Mm. Why? Because he knows that his suffering offered up to Christ can be meaningful. And yes. that's something that people in the world can't give a meaning to suffering, but we can, can't we? We can. And you know, when you think of Paul rejoicing in his sufferings, when you think of Christian joy at a funeral where there's real grief, um, this is not trying to do away with the human experience of pain. Mm. It, that's an okay thing. There's times where you should feel grief. Yeah. But yeah. there's the surface level neurological responses to circumstances that are healthy and good. Mm. But for the Christian soul, there's something that's deeper than the surface chop that we're anchored in. So we could be at a funeral immersed in grief for a beloved person who passed and concurrently feel hope and the joy that springs from that hope all at the same time. Yeah, that's a, I, I think that distinction that you just made is so important, and it relates exactly to the question we just got in from Chelsea, who is in Calgary, and she asks, you know, how, can you explain what abiding joy looks like, and does it always have to look like enthusiasm? No. Yeah. I mean, that starts to look phony. Yeah. Honestly, that, I mean, that, that kind of joy... I personally, as a, there's something beautiful about the Catholic life. It's gritty and dirty authentic. and authentic. Authentic, yeah, I know. That's I, it. I love Chelsea's question about that because yeah. I, I think your idea of the funeral, we can be deeply sad and mourning and at the same time mm -hmm. know in our, in our deepest heart, in our faith, I've got hope in the That's resurrection right. of Christ. That's and right. And I'm grateful, right, to God who saved my loved one from their sins and mm -hmm. opened up heaven. Yes. You know? And that, that almost fake joy 
just for me, I kind of kind of scares me away. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's, it's too it's saccharine, sweet. Yeah. Sha- it feels shallow. Yeah. You know, and I've been to church experiences, and I, again, Catholics know how in the range of liturgical worship and experience to mm. express solemnity. We have these different mm. dimensions we explore in the Catholic in the Catholic life that uh, we don't just have one gear in what yeah. what worship music yeah. sounds like. Yeah, no, no, that's know. exactly right. You know, Jenna, following up on that, asks. You know, that she once heard that Mary experiences joy even though she's the mother of sorrows. And tomorrow mm. is the feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Mm. And so we think of Mary at the foot of the cross. Uh, and so that hurt her more than anybody else because she loved Jesus more than anybody else. Yes. But can she experience joy there as well? Yeah, one of my, uh, one of my best friends, when I lived in Wisconsin, he, he, uh, he died. And two weeks later, his fourth child was born. His wife oh. was sitting in the front row, big pregnant belly. Oh. And the priest during the homily... He said, the first thing he said in the homily, uh, uh, joy is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus. And there's what Mary had throughout her life. She had heart-wrenching pain because Mm -hmm. of her love for the Lord. But she had the Lord. Mm -hmm. So as all the other things fade away, you know, there's all all these rules for joy, uh, to engage your body in the battle for joy. All these things that Mm -hmm. we find in Scripture, in science, in, in easy application and wisdom of the saints. But we all reach places in our lives where maybe you can't utter gratitude with your mouth, or, or you can't get a workout in. Mm. At the end of all things, there's Jesus, and, and this ultimate source of joy. I mean, that's what real spiritual joy is. It's a, it's a disposition of the soul where you're delighting in some good you possess. You know, that's a great definition, Chris. I want to I probe that a little bit more because I, I remember, and I love that quote by that priest, by the way. What a great yeah. insight yeah. to embody that. I remember someone once said that, that, that a cat can experience pleasure mm. with a bowl of milk, but they can't experience joy. That mm. joy is something that a soul mm. with an intellect and will can experience. And that joy is possessing, is going back to St. Thomas Aquinas, joy is possessing love and the yes. beloved. And so we can possess the beloved like Mary does at the foot of the cross, and yet at the same time experience sorrow, but, the, but because we possess that love, if joy is the fruit of love, we can always have love in mm. any circumstance, right? And heaven's a wedding feast. Yeah. That's what God created us for. In fact, at the beginning of the Bible, he had the end in, the mind, in mind. That's when we have love without sorrow. That's it. There's, yeah. there's, perfect, there's, there's the deepest joy at a mm. wedding feast. It's the joy that flows straight from love. Mm. And, you know, a cat can't get joy from a bowl of milk. I would add, neither can a person. So what's, mm. what's your bowl of milk? <laughs> you know? we, yeah. we, we all think. Yeah. We, we, we're, you know, people follow your heart. No, 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 no. Your heart's stupid. Your heart thinks it will get joy from a bowl of milk or a promotion or more pleasure, more power, more money, more Saint whatever. Jer- or the prophet Jeremiah says there's nothing more treacherous than the human heart. That's it. In other words, Who nothing will betray us more than our own heart. Yes. And you talk about that here where people are too easily, easily satisfied with surface level pleasures rather than going for those deeper things. And isn't the world joyless today? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're forgetting God, we're forgetting joy. In 2016, is the first year that, that Generation Z entered college. And, it, and for the first time in history, over half of incoming freshmen self-reported they felt below average in mental health. And now sometimes there's someone struggling with a biological thing. You know, there's no shame in that if that's your cross to the Lord. But when you talk about over half, there's a crisis in joy. All the things that make people actually joyful the evil one is trying to, to mm. steal those things from us, especially our faith. You know, speaking of when the evil one tries to steal things from us, especially yeah. joy, uh, one of the viewers asks, 
how do we resolve bitterness with another person's joy? So the mm. temptation to envy, perhaps, right? You know, yeah. like if I see, oh man, my buddy Chris is always joyful and I feel so blue, I start to get envious. You know, how, how, do, yep. how do we deal with that? <laughs> Peter Kreef told me a, a great quote from him. The only time I actually got to hang out with Peter Kreef, the guy's such a legend, man. But, um, you know, I was asking him, like, how, how do you, do you have an incredibly disciplined life? Like, do you wake up and read two hours and then write four <laughs> hours? Like, how do you make that many books? How does a human do that? It's like, I'm completely ADD. Like, I, it's like, don't look to me as an example. I probably started 10 books for everyone I've, I've written. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, jealous. And he, and he said, D the dumbest sin ever. Envy is the <laughs> <laughs> he said, envy is the only sin that has no pleasure attached. Not even for an instant. <laughs> that's beautiful. Every other sin oh, has like a little detour into some sort of pleasure, <laughs> yep. and that one's like instant misery. Instant misery, you know? pure misery. Yeah. yeah, but honestly, to call it what it is, yeah. uh, and yeah. to say, you know, if you see a good in another, yeah. and uh, so I, I confess it as a, as a sin and label it, and but but also, um, I think sometimes that that feeling of envy or jealousy or resentment towards someone else's joy might come from a place of thinking. Well, I, that's not me. You know, we, we often see an ideal, and instead of saying, let's take some steps toward it, the evil one jumps in and cooperates with their own negative thinking yep. and says, just stay where you are. And by the way, add to where you are with some despair and jealousy. And, uh, you know, mm. it's that lie, you can't get there from here. You can get anywhere from anywhere you are. Just take some steps. Speaking of steps, you give uh, nine great steps yeah. towards living a joyful life. And speaking about Crave's idea of being ADD, how come you didn't have 10? I mean, like, <laughs> did you just forget? <laughs> I mean, there's uh, there, always the top yeah, 10, yeah, the I big know. 10. I know. 10 is big in scripture. You did nine? I'm like, nine? I, Are you I kidding had me? like 20. If this I, is a short book. You had room for 10, Chris. I, <laughs> I didn't want to threaten people. I, I just kept, I, like, I kept going, like, less is number? more. Okay. Yeah. Like, what number would people think? I could do nine. <laughs> it's not even ten. I mean, I, maybe someone will watch this and say, "I'm going to add the, the next twenty rules in the next book that, that goes out in the Augustine yeah. Institute's yeah, Christmas I would, program." I would beware, Ted Street's probably going to come up with twenty rules. Yeah, I, dang for... it, Ted, Ted's always trying to one up me. No. <laughs> oh, so Daniel asks, "When I hit a wall, how can I experience yeah. joy?" You, you, there's, there's practical, simple things you have to do. I, I, I don't want to sound cheesy, but you do, I, I want you to get that book. Um, again, the Christian life is a life of joy, but it's always lived out, not in complex theory, hmm. but in simple things we do every day. I mean, look, I mean, you got Tim Gray, brilliant theologian, saying, I, I get up in prayer time and I write down things I'm happy about and grateful for. I mean, it, it all boils down to Ignatius' great spiritual tradition. You could read novels and novels about it, <laughs> yeah. but, but start with this. Get up and, and write down things mm -hmm. you're grateful for. Start by creating some silence in your life because the noise is making you crazy. It's a great step you have in here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, One of the nine. That's it, yeah. Make, make time for friendships. I mean, there's a lot mm -hmm. of things you know you're supposed to do, but if it doesn't make it into your planner, then it remains nothing but theory for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, we all fall into that. Yeah. You know, knowing is half the battle, right? Knowing is none of the yeah. battle. Yeah. If you're not gonna, the devil knows more about this than, than I do. He doesn't you know, it, do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, maybe the tenth one is watch your show. You got a new show coming. I get, we got a new show doing, coming out. You know, that we're partnering with you with the Augustine Institute yes. and getting out here on Forms, and yeah. uh, probably maybe the end of September we'll launch. Please and, God. Uh, so if you want, you know, a source for joy, watch Chris's new show. 
That'll be coming at the, hopefully the end of September or at least by the beginning of October. So that's going to be fun. I give us a sneak preview. What do you want to do in that show? I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, we're going to, I mean, I'm going to give a lot of reflections, have some guests, have live application, take a lot of question and answer, just do interaction. We're just going to hang out every week, just yeah. like just like we're doing right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of the blessings of the, the live stream stuff you guys are doing, that it's not necessarily about, um, I, I've done a lot of, Great, great pre-recorded stuff. Mm -hmm. There's some inherently different about this. this the, the goal here is let's hang out with you guys. Let's be part of each other's lives and, and, and be together as we walk to the Lord. You know, this came out of, uh, this, this conversation about you doing the show came out of the incredible series you hosted uh, called The Search. Yeah. And that was such a great partnership that we did with you, Chris. Brother. And, uh, you know, so many people have been blessed by that. And one yeah. of the great things is that it took the big questions of life yeah. And it took it in a positive direction, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people began to see the meaning and purpose, which helps, by the way, is Martin Seligman, who we talked about him earlier, that great um, psychologist, that people navigate difficulties and suffering in life if there's purpose and meaning. Mm. If you're dealing with the troubles of life and the anxieties and fears, and you're dealing with problems and you don't have purpose, you don't have a deep sense of mission, you don't have a sense of what my life's about and faith in God, it can get really lonely fast, and you yeah. can get really discouraged quickly. But what you did in the search is mm. such a such a actually it's experience of joy. It is it's of discovery of the meaning of life, yeah. and these big questions have great answers. And uh, you, you, it never gets old. I mean, some some people think, well, this is the the basic evangelization stuff. Then you move beyond that to other things. You don't move past the core message of the gospel. Mm. None of us do. You don't move past that any more than a marriage moves past the vows exchanged on the wedding day. You know, if, if someone needs to be introduced to the Lord, the search is for them. If someone's been with the Lord for 30 years and needs a, a boost, yeah. the search is for them. I mean, I, I, I don't like watching myself generally. <laughs> the search is one of the only things I've ever uh, been part of creating that I've actually watched the whole thing and, and just love diving into it because yeah. these mysteries never get old. No, it doesn't. You know, I'm going to tell you one story. You probably don't know this. Uh, one father wrote us a letter. I got this beautiful letter, mm. and he had his older son who was in college who was falling away sit down, and he got him to watch the show with him. Yeah. And he said it was really moving. Then I had my next oldest kids in high school watch it, and twins, and he said he had tears in his eyes as they watched that show and saw uh, the display of what truth is, mm. uh, of our faith being displayed with mm. beautiful cinematography, with a joyful witness mm. in your in your hosting, and he said it was one of the greatest experiences of his fatherhood and of his life. And he said Praise he just wept God. and just he wanted to thank us Praise for doing God. the project. And, and that, so thank thank yeah. you, Lord. And that's that. I mean, that's all the stuff, all the stuff that you guys are coming out with. All the stuff we're doing. It's, it's really just about making it easy for people mm. to hear, share the faith by just. I'll put that in your hands. Don't keep the search yeah. to yourself if you've seen it, man. No, that's exactly right. Going back to the idea that we're called to be light yeah. and salt, we can't go around talking. And I think, you know, Christians can be a bit apocalyptic, gloomy yeah. yes. uh, when it comes to the world's bad, things are out of order, or things are yeah. out of whack. Look, everybody knows that. Even people yeah. in the world know the world's not right. No. So yeah. we need not say the sky is falling. What we need to say is that above the sky is a God who loves us. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And, and, and the sky. And share the good things. That's share it. the great books that you find. Share the search. That's yes. joyful sharing of That's the it. light and the salt. Yeah, and you, you look at the early church, man. It was an absolute mess for those people. Mm -hmm. And the, the writings of the church fathers, I, yeah. I did, who mentions Nero in any of them? And, and you talk about having a, a yeah. bad president. Yeah. I mean, Nero? Yeah. 
<laughs> but but yeah. there was bigger yeah. news than what Rome was doing. Yeah. It's what's God doing? And, and it's easy mm. to get sucked into focusing endlessly on that. We've mm-hmm. got to be aware of it. We can't bury our heads in the sand. Yeah. We've got to engage the culture war as part of evangelization. But the primary focus that has to fill mm-hmm. our souls is, is, is what brings us joy in the Lord. Now, a good example of that is our audio drama on St. Cecilia. Because if you look at the, the mm. accounts of the early church of the martyrs, those accounts you would think would be the most depressing, pessimistic, mm. sad reading. And all the martyrs, one of the characteristics is they die with joy. Wow. And they witness joy. And the Romans are used to seeing death as a spectacle. What they're not used to seeing is death with serenity and joy. And that's, yes. that rocked their world. That rocked their world. And that's what we, in yes. the audio drama that Paul McCusker uh, produced for us on St. Cecilia, uh, it's a phenomenal story of St. Cecilia's martyrdom, but it ends with joy. Praise and it's, it's pretty remarkable. And Haley Atwell, who's an amazing actress, she yeah. plays Agent Carter in all the comic, you know, Marvel movies. Uh, she plays St. Cecilia with poised tranquility and faith in the midst of, uh, of her death. Uh, so it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, Praise Chris, God. this time goes by too fast. We have to do this again soon. Is this over soon. And uh, absolutely, it's unbelievable. But sad. <laughs> I, I want to thank everybody who, uh, all the tremendous questions, because your part of the conversation really fed this conversation, made it go so fast. And it was like, it was, it's not scripted. These questions came in live, but it felt scripted because it flowed into your book so beautifully and the beautiful points you're making, Chris. And I want to thank you for your witness. And I'm looking forward to your show coming up. Uh, and I hope that you'll get a chance uh, to watch Chris's show, get his book, uh, check out Catholic Market, Living Joy, fabulous book that Chris did. This is uh, encouraging. And if you know, especially young people who need a boost and need to see that being Christian doesn't mean being pessimistic. It means really being joyful, right? And uh, speaking of joyful witnesses, next week we're going to have another great guest, Sister Miriam. And uh, mm. she is one of our alumni here at the Augustine Institute. She did her master's here. She is an amazing religious sister who, uh, who takes, who has a great testimony of great suffering and yet great love and joy in the midst of that and how you can have great healing. And so Sister Miriam is going to be a delight. I hope you can catch us next week. And thanks to all of you who support us through the Mission Circle. You make our ministry possible. We're grateful to you. May the Lord bless and keep you all. Take care. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.